Hello, it's Monday the 3rd of May, a bank holiday no less, and it's time for a very special episode or the start of a week of episodes of the Luke and Pete show because it's not the Luke and Pete show today it's the Luke and Jim show hi Jim hi how's it going it's good I'm Pete this week which yeah. is terrifying you had absolutely to... terrifying way to live your life I think it's a great way to start people who listen to football ramble regularly and have listened to this show in the past will know that know all about you and how um fantastic and amazing you are um, not even sarcastic, that. Uh, but, Different show, isn't it? Yeah, Different tone. True. <laughs> but for people who don't know you, Jim, why don't you just give us a, a sum up of yourself in a couple of sentences? So I am Jim Campbell. I am a uh, podcaster, as you know, a stand-up comedian, as you may know. Uh, I also do a YouTube channel called We Like Old Adverts, and this week I fell into a canal. That's, um, Great. We're going to come on to that. Yeah. But how does it feel to be Pete at the moment? Uh, it's, is it, it pressure? It, there is a little bit of pressure. I've been Pete before. Yeah. Um, and you so survived? I've, I survived. Yeah, I was never quite the same, but, um, you know, here we are. So so this is very... Lots of people think, oh, well, Jim's coming to the show and it's difficult for him because he's not used to doing it. It's arguably as difficult for me because I cannot emphasise enough all I do, and all producer Nat does as well, alongside all their other really important work, is we just find things people get involved with and yeah. vibe with. It's almost like poking him with a stick and letting him go. Yeah, and I want to like confirm as well, we probably did this the last time I was on, Like he is like that all the time. And yeah. to the point where I, did, I did a, had a show in Edinburgh once where someone came up to me, you do, if you do part of the free fringe, you, you have this really undignified bit at the end where you hold up a bucket asking people to then like just put some money in because it's a, it's a better financial model than some of the other ones basically mm -hmm. and someone just said to me at the end of it is he is he really like that and yeah. I was like yeah he is yeah. and I don't need to clarify what or who you mean Ma yes well, we got asked that in an interview once a press interview didn't we and Mark I think Marcus said I think we underplay how weird he is <laughs> And people think it's affected that we overplay it, yes. but actually we probably no, underplay it because there's loads of stuff that's happened that he's done that we probably just don't remember. Which is the way he looks at the world. It's like the hippo yeah. thing. Yeah. When he was, where was he? Was he in Kenya? Somewhere on, on, on holiday. Yeah. And uh, a, a baby hippo came into the cafe, started running amok, and uh, one of the waiters hit it with a metal tray. Yeah. And apparently went, boom. Yeah. And his first thought was not get out of the way of this rampaging hippo. Yeah. It was like, I'll never hear that sound again. <laughs> And he hasn't. Well, no, and he, he hasn't. Well, I assume he won't. He absolutely hasn't. So we're, we're looking forward to you spending um, the next however long in Pete's shoes. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to try and ape Pete. No. Because it's just dangerous. Just be yourself. Mm. Good, good luck. Good luck being yourself. Um, and, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'll <laughs> no, find you, somewhere no, between. You need it. Uh, <laughs> and last time you were on, you told us all about the crappening. Yes. Uh, which was great. And I recommend people go back and listen to that episode. Uh, that was really funny. That was I absolutely lost my mind. We had to stop recording. Yeah. It was so funny. So I'm looking forward to this today. Um, why don't you start off, Jim, by telling us uh, the let's be honest because you told a little bit of a, of a precede version of the story on the ramble mm. this week I've heard bits and pieces about it I want to hear the proper story now and I think our listeners do too because you are known as being a hapless man yes you do things that you don't intend quite a lot yes not problematic things I'm not talking about cancelling things quite. but just like clumsy things yeah um, and this is probably... Did this come into the top three of things you've done that are stupid? It'd certainly be up there I mean it's quite telling I had to I've had to sort of kind of shuffle through the, the records of my mind to absolutely check that this is the first time I've fallen into a canal. It felt surprising to me that I hadn't yeah. heard about you doing it before. It might have happened when I was a kid, but I, do, I think I just saw someone else fall in and the memories have got all jumbled up. Yeah. Um, but you, you wonder, don't you, what type of person falls into a canal every yeah. time you're in a canal? And if, you, if like me, you have wondered, it's, it's you. It's yeah. the, you, you are that the person. sort of person that wonders. So yeah, I was out with some friends um, 
and um, they was with some friends. So it was was quite nice, actually. One of the first kind of like now pubs are open again and we can sit outside. It's like, oh, friends of friends, new people. It's nice to meet some new people. I feel one of those people has has a houseboat. The pub shut early. And she was like, well, should we come back to my boat? There's like a like a, an outside area on it so we could sit on it safely and, and legally uh, or in theory safely anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> simply we had a few drinks. It was time to go home. And I just I just missed. I stepped off, just stepped off the boat onto what I thought was a canal side. And then before I knew it, I was just just in the drink. How, how drunk were you out of 10? Oh, it was, I mean, I don't remember it very well. So it's got to be about an eight. Okay, and, and how deep was the canal? How deep were you expecting? Well, I didn't actually go fully in. I only went up to my waist, which means my phone didn't die or anything. Oh, like my, my jacket was, doesn't stink of canal water. Actually, I got the white privileged version of falling in the canal. Okay, like there well, were like there were no consequences for it. No, uh, apart from well, until now bruised ribs um, and some some very bruised legs as How'd well. How did you bruise your ribs? I think because the gap between the boat and the canal side was quite small, I think I actually hit the canal side with my ribs on the way oh, down. Right. Like, it must have been that. Yeah. Because I've bruised ribs before and they, it's going to take about a month to, to heal, I think. So I was looking forward to coming out of coming out of lockdown in, in, in pretty good shape. Yeah. You, know, just you look like, great. Well, thank you, but I can't exercise. So I'm going to come out, out of shape and addicted to codeine. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, You've always that, been addicted to the coding. Well, it's spiritual. Now I've started taking it. I think, yeah, it, it is the thing I've been missing yeah. throughout my life. Doesn't seem to ease the pain, but it makes you feel like you're walking on a cloud. So, how did you get out? Um, I, I was dragged out by my friend, who's also really clumsy, a really, right. really clumsy man. And I, I do feel like the two of us being there created this sort of clumsy void that I happened to step into first. And did you consider that to be an emergency where you could abandon social distancing for that moment? Yeah, I, I feel that, that. I'm in a fucking is, canal. Yeah, I need Just to get out get somehow. Me, can you get me out, please? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's, there are worse diseases in here, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, he dragged me out, which I think might have been what scraped my legs up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't go to A and E until yesterday, and this happened on Saturday evening. Um, and it's not. I don't think it's even the worst reason I've been to A and E. No, the worst reason you've been to A and E is because you had a splinter. Yeah, I don't know if it even is though. I think is. These are the top, these probably are the top three. There is a splinter, right? And I'll explain the splinter story, which is because it sounds bad when I say it. Like well, it is. It, I mean, you're gonna go. It can't be. It can't be that you just went to A&E for a splinter. It is that. Yeah. Um, but but I'll tell you how it happened. Basically, um, in my old flat, we broke somehow. We broke the um, we we broke the string that opened the the window in the in the living room because it was one of those like pulley systems. Yeah. It was a really old flat. Um, and so we, we had a, kind of a stick to keep it open, we had like a little plank of wood. I don't know where it came from. And uh, when I was picking it up, I, I it evidently had a splinter in it that I didn't realise. And I, I jammed it right into the underside of my thumbnail, right? Awful. Which is obviously quite painful. Awful. Like one of the worst places you can do that. And it was, it, it hurt a bit. It woke me up in the night, yeah. like throbbing so badly. It was yeah. to the point where it was like, oh, this, is, this seems really bad. It seems infected. So in the morning, it still hurt. I, f- I phoned 111. And the thing with 111 is they are just people that work in a call centre, aren't they? Yeah. Like, if I came into the office and went, uh, I've jammed this splinter into my thumb and it, and it really hurts, you'd probably go, I don't know, mate, just go to A&E. Yeah. So I try, to, I try to put myself in the shoes of myself working in a call centre, which is what the 111 people are. And of course, they just tell you to go to A&E. Yeah. So they did. I was like, really? For yeah. a splinter? I went to A&E. It was a splinter stuck in my thumb so it wasn't infected there was nothing they could do they just sent me home and I, as I was sort of like so you're one of the few people who've gone to A&E essentially just for confirmation yeah of what's, what essentially yeah. yeah because I was when they tell you that you should go 
at that point, you've got to override how stupid it seems and think, well, if they're saying I should go, then I should go, right? Yeah, because you, if, you, if you ignore that advice, it's on you. Yeah. Big time. Completely. Completely. So when I saw, I remember like kind of checking out. I don't, I, mean, I don't know why that would have happened because as far as I remember it, I certainly didn't check out of A&E the other day. Um, but yeah, the, the, the woman was the, the, was checking me out. Was like, yeah, so it's just a splinter. Uh, I expect you feel pretty silly. I was like, yeah. I, I, did she yes. actually say she that? She did say that. Yeah, she did. Do you reckon she was on the, at the end of a long shift? Possibly, or even if she was at the beginning of a very quiet shift, the quietest shift that's ever been known in A&E, still not unreasonable, is it? No. Uh, but Match of the Day was on. So, <laughs> so you actually, the, the whole room. time I was sat in the waiting room, I just watched Match of the Day, so which is what I would have done anyway. Yeah. So were there any, were there any drunk people in there? Actually, no. The, no, this was a different time. This is the other stupid reason. You're getting confused between, between A &E pointless A&E visits. Yeah, the, this, the other one, actually one of the catalysts for why I lost loads of weight, I ended up losing two stone because um, <laughs> I'd ordered a pizza, like a whole big fat boy pizza. To yourself? To myself. Yeah, yeah when I, I was just eating really badly. What's wasn't in a good place. I think it might have been one of those really like aggressively meaty ones right, okay. where it's just all kinds of different like a them? farmyard meat on there like a meat feast or a meteor or like a you know farmyard massacre yeah or like or uh, meet me in the A&E yeah. <laughs> pizza som I don't know like it's just like a battlefield on there like absolutely yeah. horrific so I'd ordered one of those and I was slightly excited to eat it so I was like you know when you like you half run upstairs yeah so I'd half run upstairs dropped the pizza Right, and obviously that's a disaster. So in slow mo, um, I've I've kind of moved to try and save it, and in doing so, I just I didn't quite didn't quite catch it. I sort of flipped it in the air. Luckily, it landed, so the pizza was safe. But I smashed my arm into the windowsill like really, really badly, and yeah. it like it was really stiff, like really sw yeah. sw swollen straight away. <laughs> so obviously, I ate the pizza. Yeah. Uh, in loads of pain. I was like, oh, this isn't going away either. So I went to A&E. And again, nothing was broken. Got to watch Match of the Day. Thought, I probably need to have a word with myself about how I'm living my life. <laughs> and everyone else was like, finally. Here he is again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's unbelievable, Jim. So you could also... I mean, the, the one thing that's really fascinating about this, I think, is that you are capable of doing almost a whole half of a show... Just about your A&E visits. Top three A&E visits yeah, as well. There's yeah, loads there's more. probably some more. Uh, my flatmate as well, who's otherwise not clumsy, she was bitten by a dog once, which is, you don't really hear that much. So she went to A&E and um, she explained that she was bitten by this dog. And, and the person in A&E started describing the dog. It's like, oh yeah, that dog bites people all the time. Wow. And they come in. It's a homeless person's dog. So the right. homeless person will come in and they can't treat her because the dog won't let them get anywhere near her. And obviously this is, there's this dog in A&E that might bite people and he's regularly sending people down there. That's and obviously really... no one wants to be the person that goes, That's I'm going to tell the police. That, yeah, it's yeah. really tragic. Yeah. And I, I remember um, I got bitten by a dog when I was like seven really? years old. Really? Yeah, seven. It probably happened a lot more in the 80s. Or yeah, I imagine so. It's quite an 80s thing that happened. They're all high on the chalk in their food yeah. that made their, <laughs> yeah, their do shit, dog shit white. white. So I remember, I remember jumping over a fence to get a ball back. This is like a really cliched, like, working like class boy story. Yeah, exactly. Well. Copy the Beano rolled up. <laughs> and I jumped over a fence to get a ball back and there was a dog in there. And I knew the dog kind of. Obviously, I was seven, so I was far less likely to um, understand the different nuances of a dog's territory and stuff. Yeah. The dog had always been really friendly. He's walking out. We live in a very small 
terraced house. There's just people all on top of each other, so you kind of get to know each other pretty well. And you'd always see the guy walking his dog, and you'd stroke it, it'd be fine. Anyway, I jumped into the garden. The dog didn't like it, mm. right? And I think the parents were probably the parents of the dog, the owners of the dog, might have been out of work or whatever. And it bit me between the fingers there. And so I had to go to the doctor and I had to have a jab and everything. But the worst thing about that was, and I think I've said this to, the, to, the, to people listening before, tells you everything you need to know about my family. I'm now 40. So 33 years later, mm. my family still will take any opportunity to say to everyone that I'm frightened of dogs. <laughs> Which is just categorically <laughs> not true. Like yeah. they always just say it. Oh, watch out, the dog. It's like I'm forty. Stop it. That's what. Does your dad do that kind of stuff? Oh yeah. Did I tell you the story before? I think I did. Didn't I about how, when I was having night terrors? No, I don't and, think um, so. You, I don't think you told that. So story. I used to have night terrors quite a lot when I was younger. Um, which you get like sleep paralysis and you have hallucinations and things like that. And the first one I ever had was when I was at my mum and dad's house and uh, I saw this person walking in my room. I thought it was my brother stood at the end of the bed. How old? It's kind of weird. How old were you? I would have been in my early 20s as well. Oh, right, okay. Apparently it's because the frontal lobes of your brain are still growing at that point. So it's apparently quite common in men in particular. My brain's not been growing for some time. (laughs) So um, my brother, my, my ghost brother, then turned and walked into the wardrobe and just disappeared. And I was like... Has he learned to do that? That's not a that's not a thing. So you're awake and kind of a, you think you're awake, but you're not. It, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like your body is kind of you're in this between state where you can't move, but you you're 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 seeing things that you think are real. And so I, I went to a neurologist about it, which is where I learned the frontal lobe thing. And um, my dad just wouldn't have it. My, to this day, he's like, oh, I think it was a ghost. <laughs> like to this day, to the point I'll be at family parties and like an, an aunt of mine once came up to me. He was like, "Oh, I hear you saw a ghost." I was like, "No." Do your dad no. thinks that's a more likely explanation. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and it's like he thinks it. What I think doesn't matter. Yeah, no. What have you got to do? With exactly. It? Yeah, it's he, only he, your experience. He thinks it's more likely. Because he's full of stuff like that. He said he, the last time I was at home, which was obviously a long time ago now, um, he was talking about how if aliens ever did des- decide to invade us, we wouldn't have a chance. And it's just like how has he, yeah. how has he made these calculations? How has he stacked this stuff up? He's well into like ghosts and aliens. It's quite a, quite a dad thing. So it's a certain type of dad to really get yeah, into that and, kind and of that, thing. I think it is pretty dad behaviour. And we'll talk a little bit more about dad behaviour mm. later, and probably on Thursday as well. But the um, because it's a really ripe seam to be mining. But it's funny you say that because I never really considered my dad to be like that. But then now I think about it, there were quite a lot of paranormal books in my house growing up. Yeah. I wonder again if that was quite an 80s thing. Well, actually, I'll tell you where that will come from is, um, have you seen Hypernormalization? Yes. There's a bit in it where there's this guy who uh, lived near, I think, Roswell, where the people working at Roswell doing whatever it is they actually do there rather than hiding aliens. Um, oh, you mean Area 51? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They made a point of not quite funding, but encouraging his idea that, right. you know, aliens were being hidden at Area 51 and all this, all this conspiracy stuff and like the stuff he was seeing in the night sky was aliens rather than stealth bombers, which I think is what they were testing at the time. And there is an interview with a guy from, I think, the CIA just confirming that they deliberately did that. It's right. like they, they just messed with this guy to yeah. make to, to give him some credibility to make people think that like UFOs are, are, are a real danger and we, we, we actually are seeing them in the sky all the time. And I just I couldn't help but look at that and just think that might be my dream job. Yeah. Like, can you just convince this guy? Yeah. Like that he's seeing aliens. <laughs> what sort of budget for it? CIA, mate. Yeah. Fuck, fuck yes, I can do that. Have you done it yet, Jim? I've been in A&E. How'd you hurt yourself? Aliens. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say that it was to do with the X-Files. 
Well, that'll be part of it as well, won't it? Because X Files was, was a massive, huge wasn't cultural it? thing. Yeah, I was so into it. And they, do you remember they had stories around it that it was based on like real government files? Yeah, and I, th- I think I think one of the things that's interesting about it is that there are clearly things that happen in the world and the universe more broadly that not everyone can instantly explain. Yeah, right? of course. That happens, right? Yeah. And then what happens is you have a vacuum that's filled because the vacuum exists because people can't explain it and that's when the thing takes off. And I also think that that, that thing in the 90s with the X-Files and with the paranormal stuff, I, I, people, this is basically a pre-internet age. Mm. So it was a lot more kind of organic and natural that people were just massively into it. And maybe people just do want to have a, like an idea that there's out, stuff outside that they don't really know about yeah. and all the rest of it. Because I, I remember reading... I think it's Professor Brian Cox, who I'm actually allowed to talk to talk about on this show because Pete's not here because Pete won't have it. He, he doesn't like him. Right. He says he, he's got a, he's um, he looks like he's wearing a death mask of his own face, and so he can't <laughs> listen to him. He gets um, a bee in his bonnet about the oddest things, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, he said that actually, I I can explain, I can I can essentially rule out ghosts because they go against the laws of physics. Yes. And we all have to agree that we live within the laws of nature because they're never suspended. They're yeah. constant. And ghosts can't exist because of that reason. Mm. So even if you want to talk about them coming from another dimension, well, there's actually a lot of theoretical physics study that's been done about other dimensions. Yeah. And what are you, the claims you're making kind of contravene them. So you can kind of rule it out that way. But UFOs, the UFOs just stands for unidentified flying objects. So Absolutely. The fact that so that stealth bomber would have been a UFO. Unidentified. Yeah. Unidentified. And we put out to our listeners, get in touch with us on the email about all the UFOs you, we, you've seen. Nice. We shouldn't have done it. <laughs> because it was just blokes on the way back from the pub. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure back in 1998 at this village, I saw this thing in the sky. Like the X-Files. I was you know, on the thick end of 15 pints and it yeah. was in the middle of the night. What do you reckon? Take well, me to your dealer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was wearing a t-shirt saying, I like the Pope, the Pope smokes dope. <laughs> what do you think? I think you were pissed. That's yeah, what I think. absolutely. Yeah. It, you saw a plane or something weird. Or who knows? But, but I also interviewed a guy um, for another show that we want to do. Um, and he was, he's a physicist who's made a load of claims about, um, about UFOs and about mm. a particular um, like celestial body that came through the solar system called Umaguma. Have you heard of it? Yeah, this is fairly recent, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And so the reason it was so fascinating is because it's the first observed, confirmed foreign or celestial being that's not originated in the solar system. And this guy was saying, well, look at the shape of it. Yeah. You need to, you need to, Check it out because it could be a it could be a ma- it could be a foreign an alien made piece of technology because he was saying that actually what's not considered is that the technology created by these foreign uh, these potential extraterrestrial civilizations is going to last a lot longer than any yeah. biological material. And pre- I mean, even if it were a sort of probe that's going to get here first, that's what we're doing. You know, yeah. we, we've we've landed on other planets. Exactly. Without having physically been there. Um, You're taking credit for that, though, the way you said that. <laughs> we had nothing to do with it, were we? Yeah, like a commentator. They threw, yeah, they threw a heli- they flew a helicopter on Mars the other day. A, you, a little what? mini drone helicopter on Mars. Fucking hell. Yeah. It's amazing. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. I think so much of this stuff, is the ingredient that is the most fascinating, and this is why people can't let go of it, is the unknown. Yeah. It's, it's, as you say, it's the vacuum you feel yourself. There's something I'm fascinated with. It's in space. It's called, I think it's pronounced Boots Void. Right. And it's a void that's something like 600,000 light years across. And there's, like, there's practically nothing in it. Yeah. Which is fascinating to me. It's, it's like, it's the largest known super void. And obviously the, you know, the, the kind of really out there idea is that it's, a, it's some far off civilization has created Dyson spheres to 
suck up the energy from the stars in it so we can't see it because the light's not getting there um but you know a lot of a lot of you know experts on this sort of thing say that's extremely extremely unlikely but at the same time they don't know what it is because it's it's absurd for that amount of space to have nothing in it and that's yeah. it's, it's endlessly interesting to me because i can I'm pretty pretty sure I can never know what it actually is. Apparently, it's 330 million light years across. And for those who don't <laughs> who don't know what that means, that means that light a light year is a measure of distance that it takes the, the light to travel in a year. So at the speed of light for a year, it's one light year. Yeah. 330 million light years is ridiculous. So what what the fuck is that? Apparently, it's 0.27 percent of the diameter of the observable universe. It's, it's astonishing, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely astonishing. It's so fascinating. Yeah, do you reckon you could find an A and E in it? <laughs> <laughs> I could probably fall in it. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, mate. What's going on out there is absolutely insane, and I think we should all acknowledge that. But you're right; it's the unknown. And there's and one of the things I think is quite hard for people, human beings, to um to accept is there's just so many things that we're never going to understand, let alone in our lifetimes. So yeah. I'd bloody love us to discover like another, another civilization as, as like a civilized alien civilization. Yeah, right? I, I, I do think that. Although, careful! Apparently, we wouldn't stand a chance. No, we probably wouldn't. I'd probably go and see your old man. He's obviously got some plans. <laughs> but if we saw a little microscopic piece of life, that would be cool. Right? It's an amazing yeah. thing, uh, but it's not. It's a bit underwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to detri- I don't want to denigrate their hard work, the scientists, because what have I ever done? Nothing. <laughs> But it's not an amazing thing to, to to get excited about necessarily for your everyday life, is it? No, absolutely. Microbes are not what what we're here for. Absolutely right. Um, listen, I'm, let's have a quick break. When we come back, um, we're going to do some emails. But I also want to talk to you, Jim, about a story involving um, bears acting like dogs because I don't know if I fully understand it and whether it's just a typo. Hopefully it's not. <laughs> uh, back in a minute. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This week at Sukarnov. 
on the latest episode of Between the Lines with Melissa Reddy. Melissa speaks to footballer Lee Nicholl, who in 2019 was hacked and had intimate footage leaked online. Lee opens up about the impact it had on her and how she came back from it. The first mental impact, it was sheer shock. It was panic attacks. It was shame. It was guilt. I think I felt every single sense of emotion. It felt a little bit like grief, as if I had lost someone, but I hadn't lost someone. The only person I think I'd lost was myself. Meanwhile, on the latest On the Continent on Football Ramble Presents, Dotton, Andy and Miguel Delaney unpack everything surrounding the Super League and how it has changed football forever. When you watch a Champions League game, when you watch, say, Manchester United in Champions League, Real Madrid in Champions League, it's not just a match. It's that every single minute of the match is imbued with seven decades of history. The Super League which has none of that. I was getting quite sad for that, that we were going to lose this and have to face this monstrosity. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. Uh, welcome back to the Luke and Jim show this week with me and uh, Jim Campbell. Jim, you're very welcome here. Thanks for your uh, chat so far. Um, before the break, I said that um, you wanted to share a story with us about a bears acting like dogs. I don't really know what to make of it. Yeah, there is a weird thing happening in California where bears are just starting to be kind of nice and friendly and like just coming up to people and they're letting them pet them. Then they get really sick and they die. That's a bad which thing. Which is the the bad thing, absolutely. But apparently they, they're not like responding to being clapped or shooed, which is fascinating to me that you can normally kind of shoo a bear away like that. And they sort of get like, all right, this thing doesn't consider itself food. I'm going so, to find something that does. So my, my in-laws, so my brother-in-law and my father-in-law are quite competent outdoorsmen. Right to mm. the point of where my brother-in-law Evan he works out in in the field all the time. He's like a um, he does a lot of biology work and he knows all about this stuff. Right, he's the kind of guy that like um, if you dropped him in the wilderness he'd be fine. <laughs> like the other day there was a there was a family um, FaceTime catch up because Mimi's got a load of brothers and sisters and he <laughs> he was FaceTimed in on 4G in his phone obviously in the car he's currently living in. Wow. And 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 my wife was like. Evan, you need to find somewhere to live. You can't live in a car. Like it's, it's like, I know it's getting warmer, but you still can't really live in the car, but he just does that stuff. Yeah. And he is brilliant on bears. If you, He knows about all the different types of bears and what to do with them, but I can never remember because some of them, Jim, you're supposed to make a lot of noise yeah. and some of them you're supposed to just stay de- deadly still or whatever or run away. And if you get it wrong, you're basically dead. It's, it, like bear, it's like bear roulette. Isn't it? If you see a load of bears, you're meant to find the biggest bear, go up to him and kick the shit out of him. Yeah, or I is think that so. Prison. I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a high. What I'd call a high risk strategy, mate. <laughs> but so bears are getting. So essentially, bears are getting ill, but it's making them act like dogs. In the in between bit, yeah, be- between them getting very sick and they lose a lot of weight. It's really sad. They actually. It's. It seems there's a lot of mystery around it, um, and it's it's very tragic. They get very emaciated from the um, from from the pictures I've seen of this, but. As I say, in that in-between bit, they are a little bit disorientated. And there's a, there's a video of just a guy on his snowboard and a bear coming up to him and just investigating him and sort of like giving him a little nuzzle and like then just wandering off again. Just almost like a dog, like a sort of friendly dog, just kind of going hello and then getting on with its day. And I just wonder if there's a way we can isolate this part of the that disease. Part of it, yeah. And then we can have like a, like a dart that will make anything like a dog. <laughs> I can think of a few people I'd use it on. 100%. <laughs> but I do think like... With dogs, right? They're not descended from wolves. They are wolves, like a pug and a wolf. 
is the same. They, they share a hundred percent DNA, which is astonishing. So what makes them different? Really. Like, well, it's just it's just selective breeding, isn't it? And the different characteristics have been bred into different types of dog, but they are all, they are all the same. And they started as wolves. Obviously, the the, the radius. Um, uh, between human camps and wild wolves got smaller and smaller as food was left out and they got tamer by nature because it, it was beneficial to, to both groups. And I just think we know how to do that. Why aren't we doing it with everything? Like it we could make dogs time. like... Yeah, well, you know, we've got start a long, now, long time, mate. Exactly, yeah. You, you do, Little you, giraffe. I, I think you do hear of like, in different parts of the world, people having different types of animals as pets. There's that famous one, I mean, a couple of listeners sent in an email about it, um, of Stu for the honey badger. The guy I know. Who owned a honey? I mean, this no, guy, this, you can't truly own a honey badger. But. <laughs> this South African guy had a honey badger as a pet called Stufa, and uh, he couldn't stop it getting out of the enclosure. I think I've seen that because they're so smart, aren't they? Yeah. So they'll just build a little, like, wall to yeah. get over your wall. So you end up keeping it in like this disused swimming pool, but it kept using like things like sticks and rakes to climb out and it would just disappear. It'd always come back. Yeah. And it got to the point where I just don't think he wanted it to come out. It became like a joint. It became like a battle. Yeah. I, I would have probably just thought, let it get out yeah. and let it come back again. But I think the problem was it was going through the bins. It was attacking snakes. Yeah. He didn't really want snakes in his property. And it was going out and finding snakes and bringing them That's back. useful. It was basically like an Asbo pet. Oh, totally. I mean, if you're unfamiliar with the honey, the honey badger, their diet is snakes and beehives. They are <laughs> like absolute agents of chaos. And they've got really, really thick skin around their neck. And it well. moves as well. So they, yes. can, they can wriggle out of things. Well, it's specifically for big cats, isn't it? So for like a lion bites its neck, it will swing it around to try and do the whole death roll thing and the honey badger would be like whatever mate Just leave whatever do this all day don't care do this all day. had a couple of snakes earlier I'm not even going to get hungry and they've got punk haircuts as they well they do and they always look furious because they are yeah. they're amazing <laughs> yeah um, I wonder what it would be like it would be good to experience one in, in, in person but probably a little bit terrifying uh, let's do some emails so basically yes. hello at lukeandpeacher.com is the email address as you all know at lukeandpeacher on twitter at lukeandpeacher also on instagram Jim uh, last week we asked our listeners to get in touch and talk about we were talking about monster trucks, right? Monster trucks used to be massive, again, in the 80s. Yeah. You never hear of them now. They've disappeared. Like, if, if you, when, was the last time, when was the last time? So in my memory, the same way everyday people now will see a poster up on a, a billboard for a fun fair coming to town. Yes. You used to get monster truck posters. You did. When was the last Came time you confirm. saw one? Doesn't happen. A long time ago. I think... This is this is the sort of stuff that's going to age us, isn't it? Mm. Like pre-internet stuff where people yeah. think we're just making it up. No, it happened. And and um, so we got talking about that. Dad's into monster trucks, obviously, because they're dads. And um, we asked people to get in touch with the biggest thing that your dad had bought mm. that you could remember. And Daniel's been in touch. And this is a great one, right? This is why it's my favourite. You'll hear straight away from the first sentence. The biggest thing my dad ever bought was a putting green. <laughs> he has a pretty sizable backyard and a very dad-like golf addiction. A few years back, he somehow convinced my mum to let him have a, a putting green in the garden. It's big enough for four different hole locations with different slopes around the turf and two separate mats with different lengths rough to practice chipping. There's also a little square of turf a few yards away to practice pitching onto the green. This is a very extreme example of dad behaviour. It really is, isn't it? It's amazing. It's astonishing. I'm amazed this even exists. So is it like, like a movable thing? No, it doesn't really say. I've always thought like a movable hedge maze would be pretty cool if I could design my own like dream mansion. You could change it around each time. Yeah, or someone else does it. So, you you know, it's always different to you. It's, it's not 80. But, that's very a very 18th century, that. Well, yeah. Well, this is the sort of mad house I want. 
Have, um, you, have you seen The Shining? I have. Yeah, that's Macy, and that's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, really, really good. Nice, nice. Yeah. I didn't even mean that. <laughs> the putting green, though. I mean, how do you even conceptualise that? So Gareth Bale's got like a three, a three golf hole. So this is course. bigger than Gareth Bale's. This has got nah. four holes on it. No, because I think that's just a green. Gareth Bale's got four. Oh, four, oh, four proper holes. Proper holes. Yeah. Yeah. With like uh, probably with water and sand and everything. Yeah. Of course he has. And I also think that's a bit weird because I understand it at the first first thought that sounds really good, but they're they're rigid and they're staying there. And you're going to learn to if you're good at golf, which mm. apparently he is, you're going to be better now than pretty easily. It's going to be pretty boring for you other than just to keep your swing in. You're well, better off going to a really exclusive golf club unless someone moves the hole. Yeah, true. Changes true. it up every day. True. Keeps you on your toes. It's possible. It is possible. I also wanted to do an email here from uh, Eric because Eric got in touch last week and said that he and his, he listens to Luke and Peter with his parrot. <laughs> right? I promise you said that. And, he's, and he sent a couple of pictures which didn't render properly and then we also asked him for some more information. So I can confirm he's got back in touch and told us a bit more about his parrot and... Um, it's a beautiful looking parrot, I have to say. Very, very nice to look at. Because we weren't sure what type it was. I'm going to show you a picture now. And there's Eric and his parrot listening to the show. Oh, bright yellow. He's a great parrot. Yeah. He looks like a big mango. He does. He's very mango. He's very tequila sunrise. Uh, there's another picture of him with his green plumage. Oh, beautiful, beautiful brilliant. parrot. A beautiful bird. Yeah, lovely bird. Uh, and Eric said that, um, sorry the pictures were messed up in my last email. I've attached them again this time. Hopefully it works. It has worked. Um, he said, a few notes on my um, parrot. The captain is called Captain. He said, he's a sun canure, which um, I don't really know much about, but I think it's a form of parakeet. Mm. It's a medium size, kind of slightly bigger parakeet than, um, than ones you see flying around London. He says, uh, in terms of the ethics of pet birds, Captain was bred in captivity. If he was free, he would probably have no idea how to find food and be very quickly eaten. So fair enough. As it, a mango. Um, <laughs> yeah. His wings aren't clipped. He's flying around the house and hanging out with the wife and I. Most of the time we're home. He also has three cages, a home cage, which he uses for naps and quiet time, a giant play cage where he can look out two windows and yell at the neighbours, an outside cage in the backyard. We also have a special backpack we sometimes walk him around the neighbourhood in. Oh, What do you think about this, Jim? Uh, I'm a big fan of it. I wonder how many animal listeners you have. It's amazing. This is the really. first one you've heard of. He's got his own little backpack. Yeah, I, d I don't know of any other... I what goes in it. He says, as I, as I write this email, Captain is watching my female pit bull dog sleep. That's one of his favourite activities, and he's deeply in love with my dog. He's similarly in love with a giant stuffed penguin, though, and an air purifier. <laughs> <laughs> Some of his other favourite activities include watching our dogs play, preening us, flying sick manoeuvres around the house, playing with a little ball in his cage... Uh, and screaming at stuff. He likes being read to, he likes chewing things, and he also watches quite a lot of YouTube. He's not into music like some birds are, but he loves to enjoy podcasts, especially your show. Uh, that said, his favourite thing to listen to is, weirdly, recordings of air raid sirens. <laughs> how do you know if the bird's enjoying it? Yeah, and how do, you, how do you know if something does or doesn't like something? Why have you gone for air raid sirens over, I don't know, like, ice cream van? Which music. is a much more pleasant sound. Yeah. To uh, us, maybe. Do you remember that do you remember that bird? I think it's called the minor bird that can mimic other sounds. Yes. And the sad thing was that apparently they've witnessed them now being able to mimic the sounds of chainsaws because of deforestation. Oh, How bad is that? That's really sad. That's a sad indictment. Anyway, the email finishes by saying um, he watches a lot of movies, but his absolute favourite movie is Beowulf with Angelina Jolie. He can How do watch you know? he can watch it all from start to finish, apparently. Weird. Yeah, amazing. Uh, he's got a wide vocabulary as well, I should say. He can say, hi, Captain. Captain, can I have a kiss? Thank you. Good night. Damn it. G 
get off and he can bark like a dog. Uh, he can mimic the water droplet noises in the tap. He can do a sneeze and a cough and he can do the light switch. Wow. Yeah. Genius. Pretty good. He says uh, he requires a lot of TLC, but there's nothing quite like watching Captain climb into his cage and go to bed, make a light switch noise to tell you to turn the light off and then whisper good night as you cover his cage. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the words and the sounds he's got there. Could he be plotting an escape? Could be. Just with different sound effects. Do they so know? no one even notices. Is it all mimicry or do they know what they're doing? I mean, I'm not qualified to say, really. But I, I presumably, like... I mean, obviously, dogs and parrots have very, very different brains. But the dog I live with, he... Um, you have to say the dog you have access to. The dog I have access to. Yeah. He has... I swear he understands English, basically. Like, because... There was a time he was playing on my bed, right? And he went to he went to pick up like a USB cord or something like that. And I just said, not that one. And he put it down. He's like, he knows no, but he doesn't know like not that one. <laughs> maybe, maybe he recognised the first syllable, but it was like he understood English. And there are, there are bits like that where he clearly understands a little bit more. I'm not saying he understands actual language, but it's like he can pick up on a tone. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, maybe birds are the same. Like if if you if he's having something repeated to himself a lot, he must know what, have an idea of why he's saying goodnight when it's yeah. time to say goodnight. Yeah, so I remember speaking to someone once called Dr. Barbara King, who's one of the foremost experts in animal communication, right? And she said a lot of the um, work that's gone towards trying to, say, verbally communicate with um, the, the great apes, who are obviously very intelligent, and they can do, like, three, four hundred words of sign language and have conversations and stuff. She said that, like, that's all well and good, right? But actually, a lot of the really super intelligent animals, they're communicating you, they're actually communicating to you in quite a detailed way, but just humans can't really understand mm. it. And you need to kind of flip it on its head. You almost need to... It's not about teaching animals language. It's about learning how to recognise what they're already doing. Yeah. And you could actually develop a far greater understanding with them, um, particularly around things like USB cables and dogs, yeah. which could be a, a really fertile ground for further <laughs> research, mate. Well, actually, you know dogs sneeze to let you know that they're playing? No. So, like, if a I dog... So, right, if a dog... I didn't expect you to say that. <laughs> so, you know when a dog will be, like... If you're playing tug-of-war with a dog, it'll be going... <laughs> Like while it's doing it. Oh, right. Okay. Like, so that's what that is. That's the dog, because they do it with each other. That's the dog going, I'm not really trying to bite your neck. Oh, just, I am just playing. Okay, just and about, they do yeah. that with people as well. So yeah. the, Crisp, the dog I have access to, he that's Crisp with a P, he's not called Crisp. Yeah. He he sneezes all the time, like more than any dog I've ever known, because he basically to. just wants to play all the time. had access to it. Yeah. He wants to play all the time, so he sneezes all the time. Yeah. There was a time where... Um, like we just sneeze around the house at him, just almost like mimicking him just because it's become a little shorthand thing that we all do. But there was a time where I must have got the tone exactly right because he looked at me in the same way I would look at him as if he said, hello, mate, how are you doing? Like it was, <laughs> he did a proper double take. He couldn't believe it. And he like he, he ran off and got my slipper, ran back to play with it with. Like it yeah. was it was like I spoke like to you him. You cracked a coat. Yeah, absolutely. Could that. You it was amazing. Um, I've tried and no, I don't think I could. I think... Because I, I accidentally did a little bit of a real sneeze somehow, and right. I think it was. I think this is huge interest code. to the to the animal communication. Indeed, community. absolutely. If you've got, if you are the Rosetta Stone of animal communication <laughs> through the via medium of sneezing, yeah. that's going to be huge for everyone. But maybe it's one for the listeners. Try sneezing at your dogs. See do if any of them double take. Hundred percent. Do that. Sneeze at your dogs if you haven't already. Perhaps you've already got a story about sneezing at your dog that we'd like to to hear. So hello at lukeandpeachy.com on the email. That's about all we've got time for on today's show but we'll be back on Thursday if you want to get in touch on social media it's at Luke and Pete show as well as I'm sure you all know by now Jim and I will be back on Thursday for another one of these and until then we'll see you soon take it easy look after yourselves 
This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.